are all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The website is fake, but the podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hello and welcome to episode five. Episode five of the podcast is real. World Gone Geek's official flagship podcast. Flagship because there is more to come from World Gone Geek. Ominous? Maybe. But yeah, we've got some more shows up our sleeves, so keep an ear out. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram for all the fun to come. I'm your host, Jeff, a.k.a. Grounded Geek, and with me by my side, but not like a, not like conjoined, not like a conjoined twin, not like Quato from Total Recall. Total Recall celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, by the way. Happy anniversary, Douglas Quaid. Oh. Consider that a divorce. No, with me always is my good friend, Utah Shu. Welcome. Welcome. Greetings. Greetings, fellow programs. Hey, you know, in Total Recall, instead of going on vacation, they implant the memories so you think you've been. And right now, we're not able to go everywhere we might prefer, right? Like, where would your implanted recall vacation be right now? Keep in mind, it can be an adventure. You get a role in it, right? Quaid was a secret agent on Mars. Oh, right. What's your, what's your recall vacation? Oh, my gosh. Let's see. It could be anything, right? Yeah. So, I almost, let's see. Do I want to go to Mars? and give those people air or do I No, you know what I want to go to San Diego oh okay <laughs> because because I miss it okay for Comic-Con <laughs> you want Comic-Con that I, 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 I want I want a ver- I want a virtual total recall Comic-Con in my mind and actually you know what no forget San Diego I want to go to Hawaii I want a Comic-Con in Hawaii Hawaii Con. I want to go to oh, Hawaii oh that would be Con. interesting I bet you they have one of some sort down there they do they've got two all right I'll go to both at the same time. I'll have stereo memories, a left side memory and a right side memory playing at the same time, experiencing two cons at once. All right. Also with us on the podcast today from another podcast, actually promptly written, we've got Matt Shigarek. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Br- briefly tell us what, what promptly written is. All right. Well, um, me and fellow author Ian Lewis, we um, each write a short story every month based on a crowdsourced writing prompt. So we ask the listeners to provide their wackiest writing prompts and uh we had to take the task and write you know roughly around two thousand words and then you know we read those stories to each other and critique them and talk about other other writing topics anything that's been on our mind the past over the past month utah here he's our all-star contributor like he's given us probably more writing prompts than than we've come up with ourselves so there was a stint there publicly thank him right now for you're welcome. I am the prompt master. <laughs> Is that We're going to have to start giving title? him credit, I think. <laughs> All right. And your total recall vacation would be where and as who? You know, it. This is going to be like a, a really boring answer, I think, but I'm going to go as me and I'm taking my family to Universal Studios because I miss my I miss my Harry Potter experience. Like I want a butterbeer. I want to walk through that brick wall and I just want the rest of the world to disappear. And I want to be in Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. That's what I want. Is that that funny? Because I feel like mine is the same way. Not necessarily the Harry Potter. Mine, I I was trying to think of an answer this time. I actually did try to prepare this time, but I couldn't come up with anything exciting. And and my answers were all boring too. And I wonder if it's just because of this pandemic and how we're all stuck at home that we're that kind of normalcy, right? Just going to Disney World. Like I would love to see Galaxy's Edge. You know, I haven't been to Disney World with my family. I would feel like I would be the same way, right? Just I would implant the memory that we've been there. (laughs) And you would be the only one that 
remembers it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I guess I would have to get you would have to get the whole family. You get the whole family to have that uh, gaslighted as well to make sure that they they know. That wow, they, oh, we were it. there. You don't remember doing the Millennium Falcon ride? <laughs> looking at it, my answer is kind of selfish. If I'm the only one who can go, because the rest of my family's stuck here, and I'm just chilling with a butterbeer. Yeah, but you remember, <laughs> but you remembered <laughs> that they were with you, so it's like <laughs> right. So, so I won't have the guilt. So that makes it better, right? I guess. Yeah, I, guess. I guess it's almost like Dorothy. You say waking up, and you were there, and you were there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, I think I would want to go somewhere boring. I think just to chill, no work, no, you know what I mean. It's just like yeah. okay, it's just that. I guess that's the, the sign of the pandemic. We just want <laughs> the normalcy is an adventure right now. You should make a note of it, and like a year from now, ask that same question and see. That's see how question the answers are. Right. If we've gotten any any normalcy back in our lives, or if we're still boring and just like, well, I just want to go to the supermarket. You're assuming we're still doing a podcast in a year from now. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, that's the plan. You know, I'm gonna. Yeah, we need to make sure we we ask this question because it'll be the 31st anniversary of Total Recall at that time. Maybe you know that we could use that as the the currently. All right, let's get to it. It's time for this week in geek. Number one. All right. Lots of stuff going on in the world of Pokemon this last week. It seems like a lot of folks are missing all the big conferences, the E3s, the SDCCs, the ABCs, the 123s, the FDICLTLDR. I don't know. Companies are doing their own things now. Uh, Pokemon did a live stream, decided they wanted to announce some stuff. They uh, left Nintendo uh, aside and did their own live stream, dropped some significant news about some upcoming games including an app that helps kids brush their teeth. <laughs> Pokemon Smile, that's a real thing that uh, they announced last week. Pokemon Cafe Mix, which is a free-to-play puzzler coming to your phone as well as to the Switch. Basically, it's like, it sounds like it's like every other block-matching game in the world. In fact, Basically. I'm pretty sure there's already a couple of those Pokemon block-matching games out there already, but um, it's coming to your phone and to the Switch, and they've got big plans for Pokemon Go. I didn't realize people were still playing this, uh, but good on them. I'm glad. It's, it's decent fun, and right now is a great time to get out in the fresh air socially distanced of course but you know it, it's good fun so i guess people are still playing it and mega evolved pokemon are coming to uh pokemon go which was some news they dropped but the biggest news for me was the announcement of after over 20 years the return of pokemon snap do you guys remember this game pokemon snap that's the one where you're like uh, you run around it the taking pictures, right? Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah, you're on. You're on. It's like almost like a um, what do you call those games where you're on a like uh, on rails? The rails. Thank you. One of those ones where you're on rails and you're following a specific path, but you can turn around side to side, and you you want to take the best picture of certain Pokemon. And somehow the this the professor was his name, Professor Oak, I think it was something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, somehow he would be able to judge the quality of your photos. Uh, there's some sort of <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> And man, he was a jerk about it. So I'm like, that was a good photo. <laughs> um, but that <laughs> game was addictive. It was, it's literally, you know, there's only, I think like seven levels or something, but you would do them over and over and over again because there were so many Pokemon to be found in right, that. Right, it was on the DS, wasn't it? In that, no, it was on the Nintendo 64. Oh, geez. Yeah, wow. Big old cartridge. Did you ever yeah. play this, Matt? No, I never played this. Pokemon kind of skipped over me. Like when when that kind when Pokemon came out, I wasn't really paying attention to video games right then. It was kind of like a 
in like a gray line of like the age age group, I was kind of missed their target, I think. Yeah. So I missed out on Snap. And I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed hearing that you're on a track. I When I watched the trailer, I was assuming you got to walk around oh, and explore no, I think, the world. No, the I think that's one, one of the things they changed. Yeah, the new one is going to be different. So it's okay. going to be a, a different kind of. It's like an open world. Yeah, which is kind of exciting. But but even the one on the on the rails was was way better than it sounds like or it was okay. just and, and I'm like I'm I actually am older than the Pokemon generation. My kids were actually into it. So for me, it was the card game was really popular at the time. My kids were collecting the cards and the game came out. And, and one of the reasons I think the game is so nostalgic for me is it's one of the few games, maybe maybe the only game that my wife actually enjoyed playing and oh, hey. in oh, with nice. us and play. <laughs> so, you know, that's a big deal. As you guys know, being, being married and, and being gamers, uh, any, anytime you can get the wife to actually jump in and play a video game with you, it's like, whoa. And some people have married gamers, so that's great. But I did not. She, she's not a gamer. <laughs> um, and that's great. You know, we're, 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 you know, some of the ways we are different are the reason that we're so compatible. But uh, yeah, she's just not in the games, but she loved playing Pokemon Snap. She's excited about this game coming out hey. um, so yeah it's, it's going to be a lot of fun but yeah the the t- whole point was just to take pictures of pokemon and then at the end of the track you would get there and professor oak would, would make you. you make you feel you know small and <laughs> insignificant because <laughs> you're you know, he was nice about it he was nice but he was just but it was like what no that come on like i, I really wonder how they how they decided what algorithms were involved with his judging of the pictures but Anyway, he would judge the pictures, you would pick your favorites, and then, you know, you would do it again. And and then you would turn in another direction and realize, oh my gosh, there's been this other Pokemon in this other weird spot that you have to turn at just the right moment to capture. And so you can't possibly capture them all on the first go through. You have to keep doing it. So there's a lot of replay. That tagline is a lie, right? Pokemon, you got to catch them all. But you, you just said you couldn't. You Well, not on one <laughs> run. You have to keep going. You have oh, to keep on going. Keep uh, the going replayability back. of it. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was the way that, because again, like I said, I think there was only like seven or eight actual uh, tracks, or, you know, like levels that you would actually go through to take pictures. But it was a good time. And uh, obviously, you know, with it coming back after 20 years, and, and I kept I kept asking every time they would have, like when the Wii came out, when the Wii U came out, when they, you know, finally launched the Switch, I'm like, will they ever bring back Pokemon Snap? Because that was so much fun. And the answer they heard you. last week is, yeah, they heard me. Exactly. They, so do you just think you, this is just a, you. It's is this a sixty dollar title? I like, have no idea. You know the Pokemon titles, unless they were, unless they're like, uh, you know, Sword and Shield and all those. I feel like the Pokemon titles are usually thirty to forty bucks. Yeah, we'll see. I don't okay. know. Uh, I will probably end up, but if it's open world, it might be a little more. Oh, that's true. It could be a bigger game than the yeah. other ones. Yeah. I, I have another question. Just because I, I did dabble a little bit with um, Let's Go Pikachu. Um, got quite addicted to it for a minute there for a second. But do you think like, will the photo decks that you're building in Snap be able to like, are you capturing Pokemon that could be transferred into a future title, you think, or maybe into Sword and Shield with some sort of... That's a good question. That's uh, a very good question. I mean... That might make it a little more appealing, I think. And they for do me, like to tie those things together now. So yeah, it could be very, it could be very interesting. They also announced that something else big is in the works, but they didn't share it. Apparently, it's so big that it's getting its own live stream, which is this week coming out on Wednesday, June 24th. So maybe we'll talk about that next week. What could it be? I don't know. Very exciting. Lots of lots of doings in the Pokemon world going on. Number two. In another attempt to quench the desires of convention goers with no conventions to 
goer to DC has announced <laughs> a 24 hour event on August 22nd called DC Fandome, Fandome, where they've got some special content lined up, panels, reveals, some films, TV, games. There's an open letter from Jim Lee actually explaining it. It's a the whole thing is a love letter to the fans, which is pretty cool. There's gonna be a Hall of Heroes where some panels and reveals are gonna take place, and then some additional verses. There's a watch verse, fun verse, insider verse, you verse. Didn't AT&T already do that? U-verse? I was going to say, wow. Um, it was, it's a U-Y-O-U-verse, which is all about the fans. Apparently, there's going to be cosplay contests and some prizes given away. There, there's, a, there's a website, which I'll put in the show notes, where you can actually send your photos of your DC-related cosplay or fan art. And that stuff's going to get, I guess, is going to be featured on this website, which could be amazing. And I'm going to get my daughter to send in her cosplay of uh, oh, yeah. um, Scarecrow from the Arkham games, which was pretty epic. And so was I'm going to have her send that in. But yeah, how how cool is that? They're doing their own little thing. I guess they decided to kind of step aside from, we heard that last week we talked about San Diego Comic-Con having their own virtual experience, but I guess DC said, nah, we're going to do our own thing. I mean, they may still be involved in SDCC as well, but this is going to have panels from basically every show in the CW lineup, like every Arrowverse show. They're even having panels from Lucifer, which is I think is just on Netflix now, and Pennyworth, which is on what Showtime uh, or Stars? Showtime, or one of those. yeah, one of the cable show, one of the cable um, channels. But they're having panels from all those, and including cast and crew panels of the films like Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Wonder 1984, Woman. The Suicide Squad, Black Adam. Right? Is, is That's right. Have a panel. Yes, Dwayne Johnson said and, he was going to be there. And the Batman, which, I mean, maybe we're finally going to see uh, maybe a teaser or something like that. I mean, this is big. This is huge. And obviously, they're going to talk about the Snyder Cut. But what do you guys think of this? Like, uh, DC throwing their own con this year. Well, I mean, I'm not the biggest DC guy in the world, but I'm really kind of digging the idea of all these virtual events that are going on right now. And I think uh, some of them are going really well. I mean, you look at what, like, Josh Gad is doing with... Uh, Oh, they're um, united united apart. Those are great. Um, You know, the only thing is he's got nostalgia backing him when he he gets those panels. So, you know, it doesn't seem to me like people have like loved, loved the most recent DC offerings. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Do you think they're going to have as much engagement online? Um, I think. Well, it's interesting because the past few years at San Diego, a lot of there were a couple of years where Marvel, Marvel Studios didn't show up. They just didn't have a huge panel like people expected them to. And the first time they came back after a couple of years was uh, last year. And DC also did the same thing where they skipped a year. And so I'm not surprised that DC would try and do something on their own. I am kind of surprised. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It was, since everything's going virtual, it's a lot easier to do these kind of virtual cons uh, than to try and set up your own big event, physical event. Like Marvel has the advantage of being owned by Disney, so they can do... Uh, a big event at uh, D23, which is another convention that Disney runs. And so Marvel, if, if they're not at one big convention, they always have a couple of others that they can show up at. I'm curious to see how the fan, I like the way the fandom is set up, how you've got this big hall, you know, the hall of heroes where all the, the tentpole panels are going to happen. And I'm curious to see how they split up and organize the other sort of lands of this virtual theme park, DC theme park. But it sounds pretty amazing. I'm glad they're doing it. I find it interesting that it's just 24 hours. It's just that one day in August, right? It's not mm-hmm. like over a weekend or something. Right. I'm wondering how they're scheduling everything because I'm sure, well, I guess that's 
typical of any con, you have what I call the conundrum, where you have so many things you want to do. And of course, they all happen to be scheduled right at the same time. So you yeah. have to pick one. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. That The Hall of Heroes, it sounds like is Hall, what is it, Hall H or whatever? It basically Hall H, right? With the big, you know, the big movie panels. And yeah, whatever that's else. the one that you really want to get into because that's where all the big stuff is. But then I was reading that there's going to be panels and reveals taking place at these other little worlds as well. And then it's like, wait a minute. So I is this going to be... Like the same kind of situation where if I decide to sit in here and listen to this Aquaman panel, I'm gonna am I gonna miss you know Matt Reeves over here talking about you know Batman because talking about sparkling Batman? I'm kidding. Yeah, that's that's something that <laughs> well, you know we don't want the to one. Uh, I'll be interesting to see because you know since it's virtual, I mean, what's stopping people from having a window open for the Wonder Woman eighty four panel and then another window open for? whatever other panel is going on at the same time. Like, are they going to just limit one stream per device or do they they care? Probably. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I like the idea. I I think, I think that's, you know, going to be the wave of the future. So. Number three. All right. As I seem to cram into every episode so far, why not this one as well? Bill and Ted face the music is coming out um, in case you missed it. Long awaited sequel. But Keanu Reeves is once again one of Hollywood's hottest commodities. He seemingly has been on kind of a little hiatus for a while, not doing a ton of things. And all of a sudden, John Wick and now Keanu's everywhere and he's breathtaking. Uh, breathtaking. No, but he's, he's suddenly in all these movies, video games. Uh, he's getting new sequels to old classics like The Matrix and, and of course, Bill and Ted face the music. As our good friend Chris G from Blurred's Eye View shared when he was on our first episode, we're in the Keanu sense, the renaissance, of, if you will, of Keanu. And I'm okay with that. He seems like a genuinely great guy also, though, outside of just making films. And this past week, you could have had an opportunity to have a 15-minute Zoom call with Keanu for a price. Reeves teamed up with Camp Rainbow Gold, a children's cancer charity which I'm not familiar personally with that charity, but obviously it's a cause you guys know is close to my heart. And for the right donation bid, you get 15 minutes on Zoom with Ted Theodore Logan himself. The auction item was valued at $10,000. And on Wednesday Wednesday of last week, it was up to $17,000. And today, as of this recording, I just checked, $75,000 is the current bid. So for some time, it was jumping up by t- by hundreds. So it was like 18.6, 18.7, 18.8. Then from 19.1 to 31.9, it just like really jumped. And then from 32,000 right to 75, like somebody just said, wow, there was no 33, 30, there was no, it was just like, nope, someone said 75, here it is. And so it's, it's like been, they did max bid. Yep. <laughs> it's been sitting at that for a little while. These are all anonymous bids, but what a great cause. And holy cow, $75,000 for children's cancer which is amazing and how cool of it for Keanu Reeves to do that. And I thought about what if, what if, you know, I mean, I don't think we have enough listeners yet, but it would be fun to like gather, you know, what if we, we got enough we should have did listeners to a GoFundMe with yeah. all of our listeners. We could have put the money bid. together so that we could talk to Keanu on the podcast. We could have done so that. what would you have talked about? Cause I just feel like I'd want him like running lines. Yeah, I know that's the, I, it's I, a tough I, one, right? I feel like it would be totally uh, the totally worst fanboying, thing right? ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad. Hopefully it's going to somebody who's going to use it wisely or we'll spend some time actually. I, I hope it's Sandra Bullock. And it's just that, like would a, oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Shoot, and then they better record that. That would be so right. cool. That would be hilarious. Hey, Keanu, remember that time when we did that film on that bus? 
That was cool. And then didn't the, didn't they reveal? Didn't she reveal that she had a little crush on him back when they made yes. that movie? And then yeah, he yeah, revealed yeah, that yeah. he had a crush on her too. And right, it was like it, no, because you know that never happened. What happened? Both both crushes are pretty warranted, I think. Yeah, pretty. Fun. I, I I can't argue with either of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but good on Keanu for doing that. Um, I think that's amazing, and I love to see that kind of charity work. That's something we we believe very strongly in here at World Gone Geek. Awesome, and whoever that person who donated seventy five thousand, I. I envy you one for having seventy five thousand dollars to just drop I, I on, a, on a Zoom call. Right. Keanu, I bet it's a group of people. I would imagine. I would imagine so. Did um, they say anything about groups? Was that allowed? Uh, yeah, Did, I have no idea, but I would imagine it would have to be right. I mean, I guess, uh, yeah. to come up with that kind of money, I, I'm going to assume. Number four. July is going to be a geek fest for Netflix subscribers. They're going all in with geek flavored content in the sci fi and fantasy realms, which. I'm certainly not complaining. Some of it actually looks really good. Already out, just dropped uh, on Friday of last week. The Floor is Lava, which is a Wipeout-style competition game set in elaborately wacky living room settings. The floor is replaced with bubbling orange-colored lava. Sure, it's water, but, uh, you know, it's supposed to look like lava. Teams of contestants must traverse just like we all did as kids, or maybe you just did last week. Who knows? There's a pandemic on. So, um, but this is, this I'm is hovering a fun over idea. my floor right now. This is a fun idea for a show. I think it's a great idea. Also coming out is an ad- adaptation of Frank Miller's Cursed, a cool twist on Arthurian legends, which I love. Additionally, Warrior Nun, a disparate group of young warrior women battle evil demons in the apocalypse, it looks like. Trailer for this was pretty epic. Ending with F's Given. This is a family show. So <laughs> F's right. Given, None. None. N-U-N. Loved it. N-U-N. That was Loved it. amazing. That was great. That but was this, great. Looks, this looks like it could be action-packed. And for horror fans of The Grudge, they're getting a TV series, Juan Origins, which is straight out of Japan. The film, film series has 13 films, nine from Japan, and four American butcherings, I assume. I only saw I only Likely. saw one of them. I don't I didn't see the others, but the trailer for this looks terrifying, of course. And this one's straight out of Japan in Japanese. So if you're in in the I horror, love that. this could be pretty intense. So what are you guys excited for from Netflix in July? Gosh, you know, I, I like everything that that, that you've just mentioned. Um, Cursed, like you said, such a great twist on King Arthur's legend. I love the twist that they're doing it. Uh, I, I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but I like the idea. Um, and then Warrior Nun um, reminds me of Buffy in, in some strange way. Definitely looks looks like a lot of fun. Uh, being a fan of, of the original Japanese, the first few Japanese movies of Juwan, and then also being a fan of the first American remake, The Grudge, with... Sarah Michelle Gellar. I'm excited for the Netflix TV series because it kind of is a prequel, but then kind of ties all of the movies uh, into one universe, which didn't necessarily happen with the films. And the fact that it's coming from Japan, that the originator uh, is involved with it really makes me excited because there's always something lost in translation, especially with horror movies mm-hmm. when they try and uh, Americanize it. So yeah, I'm excited for all of it, but Juon especially. So with Juon, I'm, I haven't been a huge fan of modern horror for a long time because the, they just, I think they started just relying on little like gimmicks to try to, you know, just scare people. You get the jump scares, you get found footage to kind of creep people out. But I, I think that this looks a little interesting, although I'm kind of reserving judgment until I see how the, the horror is portrayed, because I like, I like the good old days of Jaws when the horror is created by what you can't see, by what's mm-hmm. lurking out there. And if, if what's lurking is constantly jumping at you every 30 seconds to make you jump out of your seat, just to let you settle down before jumping at you again. I'm, I'm kind of out. 
Like, I, I want the horror to kind of like settle in. I'm definitely going to watch this one, though, for sure. Warrior Nun, I actually was kind of taken aback after reading like their their um the description of the show and then watching the trailer it it, it was a little campier than i thought it was going to be but and then you know is the comic like that and if the comics like that you know good on them because they should be they should definitely be trying to match that up with the comic because comics are such a visual medium like you start messing with that and people are going to jump out real quick so I actually wanted that to be darker than what it looks like. But that being said, you know, like you said, F's given none. That was brilliant. And it pulled me right back in. So <laughs> I think once I, once I got the tone that they were going for, I think I'm still in. It, it'll just be it'll be curious to see if that gets old or not. So a bunch of these are maybes for me. One thing about the floor is lava. Like game show prizes are getting super cheap, man. Mm, like, yeah, this team so- of three gets 10,000. That's assuming that all three of them make it they spent a lot of money in the lava i think <laughs> uh, speaking of the lava that water better be like like uncomfortably warm like i want that right, to be right. bath like, water like beyond like, bath, like just above bath water like yes, hot when they tub. fall in i want it to be it, gross like i, see, I like I was thinking the exact opposite. Like it should be a shocker. Like it should be ice cold. But then it's not lava. Yeah, lava's hot. The floor is so hot. The floor is ice water. Yeah, I don't know. So, and then if anybody out there is listening that can make this happen, you know these these wipeout type shows are great. But I think it's pulling us away from what everybody wants, and that's American Gladiators. So somebody just bring the American Gladiators yeah. back. Well, they tried that a couple years that, ago. Have you they? seen the tag show yet? Ultimate tag. Yeah, it's, it's similar. It's clearly inspired by american gladiators because they've given personalities and like almost like backstories to the yeah, like I, the taggers the taggers that are part of the show not yeah. the contestants but and then they pit them against the people so it's clearly i guess what i'm trying to say is it's a step towards that and i feel like american gladiators is next like it's like we're finally it, like this is happening i hope it, so i, I thought I they tried and remake it didn't they do that a few years ago maybe 10 years ago maybe it was a while longer. if they did i missed it there's but also I, well, rumors it, like flopped. I don't know. There's also rumors that Legends of the Hidden Temple is coming back for adults, like an adult, legend. an adult Legends hmm. of the Hidden. So all the people who watched it as kids or grew up on that in the '90s, they should bring get back a the kid contestants on the show. I, I I just don't. I wish that the Legends of the Jedi Temple, basically the Jedi I was about Temple, to say, they need to do the about, adult version of that. Yeah, that's that's the one I want an adult version of. I don't want this. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I think I think American Gladiators must be next because the Ultimate Tag clearly is leaning in that, starting to move in that direction again. Giving those, given again, as soon as they started showing the, you know, they all have these clever names, you know, just like Blaze. Yeah. and and they should Tag have to walk Master. in through like yeah. like sort of like their own hall of heroes where they can walk past statues of laser and yeah yeah and just like, oh that'd be nice. Yeah. They, they definitely have to, to to have a nod to the. The original American Gladiator. Yeah, I mean, there's no way they can't. Number five. All right, so this story isn't that big, but it is hilarious. And it segues <laughs> into our big topic for this week, which is the world for the post-pandemic geek. But one of the first shows to resume full production last week was soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. They are back to work with a plethora of social distancing protocols, basically shooting the cast separately, doing a lot of clever editing. But it's a soap opera, which means it can't exist without some sort of sexy romantic shenanigans, right? They have decided that many of those scenes will be shot solo. And no, that's not what you think it means, Matt. They've got <laughs> lifelike dolls, lifelike dolls, which get this, they didn't just make for the pandemic. Apparently they've been around for 
the past 15 years, according to this interview this, report. This is what so, blew my mind right there. Yeah. yeah, think about what lifelike must have meant 15 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> but I guess they've used them in some of the other stories for dead characters or something. I couldn't quite follow what it was, what, why they had the dolls in that story. But these dolls are going to get makeup and wigs and literally will be in the love scenes <laughs> with the actors. Um <laughs> I, I I don't know if there's any comments on it. I just had to share this I mean, story. I literally just wanted to talk I about that. There's a lot of jokes, That's, obviously, but I mean they are thinking outside the box here. You know, I mean that is very bold and beautiful. <laughs> I have a feeling it's bold, but not I'm so not beautiful. sure how beautiful hey, it you is. Haven't, well, yeah, I, you know, I almost dove into like uh, episodes of the Bold and the Beautiful to do some research on this just to see if. Uh-huh. Okay, and, and, but there, I, I actually didn't even try. I should have tried to search on bold, beautiful blow up dolls. But then I was afraid to uh, <laughs> see what the search results for that would have been. Um, but yeah, well, that's crazy. They've been, what, what really blew my mind was this isn't like something new for them. They've been doing this for over a decade. Well, they've not I mean, been doing makes, love scenes with them. They've just well, had, no, you know, but they've had these, like a but dead guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I guess the, so they're also doing uh, they also are inviting spouses on the set if they test negative for COVID and, and pass all the, you know, the tests. Uh, with, I'm uh, sure that's exactly what their spouse wants to do. Well, no, their spouse <laughs> can be the, the, the body double or whatever. So if they're kissing or whatever, they'll put a wig on and they'll just show from behind, you know what I mean? The man and then his his. <laughs> actual spouse will be the one he's kissing and things like that so uh, you know which uh, i guess that makes more sense than that the makes dolls. a lot more sense than anything um, else yeah. but tell did me, that for thor tell me you aren't now planning to watch i'll watch. The beautiful. <laughs> I'll watch you kind of you kind of want right? to see right you I mean, want yeah, to yeah. see we're all at home anyway uh i think it's gonna come you know we'll turn it, it on becomes a game we're... It becomes Absolutely. a game. Like, can you pick out the yeah, doll? Is that the doll Pause or is it, that a spouse? Take a picture, post it to Twitter. Oh, oh that's gosh. it. Doll or spouse? Oh. <laughs> it is crazy <laughs> stuff. Oh, man. I was going to say the good thing about it is I think that, like, notoriously, people view the acting on these things as pretty, you know, rigid. And sure. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, if a doll shows up and doesn't say anything in the oh. frame, like, people might not even bat an eye to it. They might How, just be like, oh, oh that guy. Oh, jeez. Right? What a statement. What a statement to the acting quality if they can't tell the difference between a real actor and a blow up doll. I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, crazy stuff. It is a whole new world, new ways of making films, new ways of seeing films, new ways of celebrating films via conventions. The times are uncertain, as everyone keeps reminding us in commercials where they pretend to care about it all and then ensure that we keep buying their stuff. But what does the world for the post-pandemic geek look like? That's what we're going to discuss in our big topic right after this. Hey, everybody, we hope you're enjoying The Podcast is Real, which is the official podcast here at World Gone Geek. We hope you enjoy the website, worldgonegeek.com, which is a parody and satire site of pop culture news. We really enjoy doing it, so we hope that you enjoy reading it and listening to the podcast. But many of you have asked, how can you help? What can you do to support the podcast? Well, most importantly, spread the word. Let people know what's going on. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, share the tweets, share the posts, share the grams, whatever. All of those things go a long way in letting people know that we're here. People jump on these things and listen to podcasts, mostly via word of mouth. So tell people what we're doing. We'd love that. Another way you can support us is by in your favorite podcast app, find a way to give us a review. 
give us five stars, uh, tell people that you like what we're talking about, whatever. But if you were to vote, especially on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, if you were just to click those favorite buttons or those stars, that would be huge. It helps us rise up the list. It helps us be noticed by more people and therefore more people will start to listen. And finally, if you'd like to get involved in a really concrete way, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash worldgonegeek. We have several tiers there where you can actually support the podcast financially, even as low as $2 a month. Did you know that if we ended up with 10 patrons at just $2 a month, that would help pay for one of the hosting costs for one of the things that we're doing here. So we would love it if you'd be able to do that. We totally understand if you can't, there's plenty of other ways to help, as I said before. But I do want to let you guys know about the Patreon account because right now this would be a sponsor break and we don't have any sponsors yet because we just got started. We're just getting rolling. Once we have a lot more listeners and a lot more of a following, we could maybe look into that. But in the meantime, we'd love to have your support in all the ways that I just described. If there's any of those things that you feel in your heart that you'd like to do to be a part of the show, we'd appreciate it. Most importantly, though, I am so glad that you are listening. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this podcast and listening, because that means uh, the world to me. We're not just talking out into the air that there are people on the other end actually appreciating what we do. Thanks so much for being there. Let's get back to the show. All right, we are back in studio here with Matt Shigarek from the podcast Promptly Written. Also with me, my good friend Utah, the co-host here at the podcast is real. We're grateful that you're listening. As we just talked about in the last segments, Bold the Beautiful, is taking some bold steps to make sure that they can resume production in this post-pandemic world. But we wonder, what does a post-pandemic world, Gone Geek, look like? And how will we make movies? How will we see movies? How will we handle conventions? Everything's virtual right now. Will that change? Is that going to change the the landscape? Is it going to be a whole different ballgame? That's what we're going to talk about today. And as theaters are beginning to open back up, AMC announced their plans, which involved not requiring masks because somehow masks were a political statement. Um, but then realizing the science shows they really do help and realizing everyone was making fun of them. So they quickly reversed that bizarre announcement. And so you will be required to wear a mask to go in unless you're eating popcorn, in which case you're allowed to take it off. But by, at that point, you're sitting in your seat and you're not facing people and you're not whatever. You know what I mean? So it's understandable. But you ever seen the way some people eat popcorn? That's in the movie true. Theater, yeah, though? Like, that's, everywhere. That, I mean, that's flying everywhere. Like, right. It, it, <laughs> the big the, the biggest thing for me is I'm, I'm curious to see because, you know, I, I, I find their theaters and enforcement of, of other things that aren't supposed to happen in the theater pretty lax. So yeah. I can't so I can't imagine them t- taking the extra step or being able to pay for or afford the extra step and extra staff to actually enforce, hey, you should be wearing a mask because you're not eating popcorn or you know what I mean? Like in yeah. the theater, in, in, once people are in the theater, I feel like all it's going to be. Yeah, all bets are off because they just don't have the staff to do it. They've been trying Um, to get people to turn their cell phones off in the theater for 20 years. Right. And and (laughs) nothing and nothing nothing has come of it. So I do find it funny and interesting that, you know, AMC's choice of words with their optional mask requirement was really what killed them Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, Regal and Cinemark both uh, originally had optional mask announcements in terms of their COVID-19 guidelines, and they didn't get any flag. So because AMC brought the word political into it is when all of a sudden things went downhill for them. So now that AMC's kind of backpedaled and reversed it, I'm curious to see if Regal or Cinemark start saying, oh, 
hmm, maybe we should say something about that too. I mean, personally for me, uh, I'm still I'm still going to hold off on the theater yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nolan's Tenant is really pulling me towards the theater end of July, but I'm still kind of you know hesitant about anything any any enclosed area with a bunch of people. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean. Although I got to say, like, even lately, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy going to the movie theater, but it's really like the big blockbusters with the, the oh, special yeah. effects, the surround sound that I can't get at home. Yep. Those are the ones that draw me to the theater. But if I'm just going to see the latest comedy or even even a horror movie, like I'm totally like fine. Trolls. Like just <laughs> no, <laughs> you made me start. And I don't appreciate that. But um, <laughs> um, if it's just some comedy or something, I'm totally fine spending twenty dollars and just streaming it to my house. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, I'm not. I'm not crazy about twenty dollars yet. That's still. Um, and but ha- for me, it depends on the movie. But you ooh. know, twenty dollars for like I have a family of four. You know, fifteen dollar movie ticket. We're going sixty bucks before refreshments before you get in the theater after refreshments, you're spending another 40 bucks. It's a hundred dollars to go to the movies. So if I could spend 20 bucks to stream it to my house and save 80, that works for me. Now to get back to the refreshments thing, this is part of my (laughs) rant. And I hear people like get on this all the time. Like, why do I need to spend $6 on a bottle of water at the movie theater? So I'm going to preface my whole rant with, I am not an expert. If you are an expert, come tell me, educate me at Matt Shigarik on Twitter. I would love to hear. I took one class when I was going to school that was kind of a all in one like movie business kind of thing, right? So essentially, most of the ticket, if not all of the ticket price is going directly to the movie studio. And that is that varies by movie. You know what I mean? So like when Star Wars is released, that first month it's in the theater, the theater might not be getting a single penny. Right. It all goes to off of the ticket price. And so everybody's like, well, it cost me $15. Why do I got to buy this? It's like if you want the movie theater to exist, you need they need to be able to make money. Now, there's a whole bunch of arguments that could be made about like, is the profit margin like necessary? Like, do they really need to charge six dollars on a bottle of water that they probably spent 75 cents on? Probably not. But maybe they do when you talk about the people who need to clean the theaters and like staff the ticket and like everything, the electricity bill. I don't know how much it costs to run a movie theater, but you know, back in the day i had a friend that was like all stoked when the cadillac escalade was released like the first one and it was this giant thing and he was like oh you know it's this much money i make this much money i can afford this car because the payment would only be six hundred dollars a month and i could do that and i'm like yeah but you know it gets eight to ten miles to the gallon can you afford to put a hundred dollars worth of gas in it every three days and he's like no and i'm like then you can't afford the car and i feel like the same thing goes to the movie going experience like if you can afford the tickets but can't afford the refreshments, you really can't afford to go to the movie. If you really want that movie theater to exist, you need to help them make money. So I don't like paying $6 for a bottle of water, but at the same time, I do it without question every time I go to the movie because I know in the back of my mind that if I want to be able to continue to go to the movie theater, that's what I need to do. Yeah. Rant over. No, agreed. And so as somebody who actually, I used to work in a movie theater back in the day. Jeff used to work in a movie theater, AMC. Um, uh, no, nice. it was, uh, oh, wait, was no, it, was it, it was the, uh, over which Morse one was Road it Columbus? in Columbus? Um, oh no, that wasn't an AMC. That was, uh, uh, was it? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember. It was, it was before the big three. 
Yeah, it was back when uh, General Cinemas. That's it was a General Cinemas. Oh, GCC. nice. I remember General Cinemas. Yeah. I, we saw, I saw kind of firsthand and spoke with the managers there and saw how the whole process went. So, yeah, I've always been, a, uh, you know, I knew that they had to pay me to clean the theaters and do all that kind of stuff. And the only way they could do that is through concessions. I totally, totally mm-hmm. get that. But at the same, and, and you're right, at the same time, it's like if, if that's too expensive, then stay home. That's one of the reasons that Universal or an AMC and U- Universal are kind of at odds right now is that Universal saying, well, why don't we put these movies in both on demand and in the theaters? And AMC is saying, wait a minute, I already don't make any money mm-hmm. when your movie comes out. Right. Now you're going to tell people to stay home. So I definitely don't make any money so that my audience is even smaller. Because right now there's an agreement with the theaters and these movie studios that there is a period of time where it's exclusive to movie theaters before. That's why people are always like, well, I want to rent it now. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, well, that the reason is because that's how these movie theaters stay in business, that's right? How they, they make their money. They are able to, they, you can only see it in theaters for a certain amount of time and then comes out on DVD and all these other things. And that is so that these theaters can actually make money. And now that on demand may be a, a thing that's actually going to happen, mm-hmm. like then we're not showing your movies. And so that's, that's, uh, that is a new uh, thing we're going to be experiencing as we move forward is as many more and more of these movie theaters, or I'm sorry, movie studios decide to release movies directly to video on demand, then it's going to have a, an adverse effect on movie theaters. Yeah, it is. And it's it's sad. It, it really is sad because I do enjoy going to the theater when I go. But then at the same time, like I can't think of a, a experience at the movie theater where in like recently where somebody hasn't been completely rude next to me or talking yeah. in front of me. And it's just mm. like like it, I love the theater, but like like literally society has no respect for other people. They just do what they want. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to watch the movie the way that I want to, like when those lights go down, like I've been conditioned to shut up. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's time to watch the movie and people aren't being conditioned to that anymore. And when I watch a movie at home, I can have a, at least a little bit of control <laughs> for whether sure. people are shutting up or not. Sure. No, it's, it's um, true. There's a very much a kind of indiv- individualistic sort of uh, uh, thought process and philosophy going on. Um, and I remember there was one time I went to a movie theater and I kind of kindly suggested to someone behind us, hey, could you uh, stop talking because, you know, we're in a the movie theater. And their, their, their reply was, hey, I paid for my ticket too, so I can do what I want. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but, but there's, there's a certain, there are rules there are certain general rules of common courtesy in a movie theater that all of us are supposed to follow. And one of them is don't talk during the movie. Right. And somehow that's thrown out the window because quote, I paid for the ticket. Mm-hmm. I paid for my ticket. I can do whatever I want. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. That's certainly something that doesn't happen when you're watching at home. I feel like though, like with universal, they had, they had lightning in a bottle. It was a perfect storm of, of, of circumstances with their release of what was a trolls world tour, whatever that sequel was. Right. <laughs> So I feel like it was much more successful because of the timing of it. I don't know if they had released something now, if they would be as successful. So it'll be very curious to see. I feel like the I'm I'm rooting for the movie theaters because I do enjoy the big Mm -hmm. movie theater experience. Like, you know, when you have a a, a movie that's just going to take full advantage of the big screen and the sound. And absolutely, I would I would spend the money and take the time to go to a movie theater. But it's going to be well for me. I think the the timing was unfortunate because I think if if they would have been able to kind of look forward and project this then the theaters could have gotten in on the streaming somehow and still been the middleman mm. to deliver it like if, no, like streaming if they would have started the planning theater? for this yeah they could have had like their own 
you know, AMC streaming service where it's not a monthly cost, but you go through them to stream it to your house and they could still be that middleman. But because everything just stopped all at once, like Universal was like, well, let's see if we can just put this out there. And when they did now, there's no reason for a middleman. You know, why would they give money to AMC to stream their movie when they can stream it themselves? So in addition to going to the movies, and we talked in our very first episode about uh, a lot about this, and we talked about how maybe the future is drive-ins are coming back again. In fact, Pinecrest, one of the theaters here in Cleveland, actually is doing a a drive-in in the parking lot of the movie theater. But they can't get people to come in. So they're doing some sort of drive in movie in the parking lot, which is kind of a unique idea and will bring some some revenue into that uh, while they're since they're closed. I assume that they'll be able to still sell concessions. Maybe they'll even have food trucks. I haven't seen the full story, but I did hear they were doing that. Well, it's interesting with with Pinecrest. You're talking about the Silver Spot Theater. Yeah. They're one of those kind of gourmet theaters where you can order food and dinner, like actually order Mm -hmm, dinner mm -hmm. and have it brought to you right before the movie starts and they have like trays on the recliner on the recliners oh, fancy yeah so it's very fancy so i'm curious as to how much of that they can they're they're going to replicate or even bother trying um i like the idea that's very that's clever of them to say hey we're going to project the movie outside and you can sit in your car but i'm i'm curious as to um like you said for their concessions or food service what what they're doing before we move on to the next topic i'm going to i got this email from AMC CEO and president. He sent it just to me, by the way. Wow. And um, Man, wow. no, it just, uh, and, and it says, you know, he talks about like some of these things that they're doing, seat capacity restrictions, social distancing, HEPA filters, cleaning, air ventilation. Like they're doing all these huge things to make the, simplified menu. I saw make them safer. And then he says, finally, I'm pleased to report the AMC theaters. This is a quote is in an excellent financial position to welcome you back to our movie theaters. In recent weeks, you may have heard or seen or read speculation about AMC's future. They listen to our podcast. <laughs> they heard us talking about it. The, 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 so I'm, in my head can, and that's what happened. Adam Aaron, the CEO and president of AMC theaters heard our podcast and, and said, you no, we're not going email. bankrupt. And <laughs> yeah, like, so he wanted to make sure. And me, so we're fine. So fair is fair. <laughs> and full disclosure, I mean, since he says their financial situation is doing well and we did question it because the, of, you know, there was talk and Amazon was looking at him. And I mean, that was real news. That wasn't stuff it was we real made news. up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. No. Uh, but but, you know, hey, he says that they're doing great. And so we have to, you know, fair and balanced. I'm going to say that's what he says hey. here in his email. So good for them. I'm hoping that's true. They, they successfully raised a half a billion dollars of new investment capital so they're in wow. a position of strength um so good on them if that's true and hopefully hopefully they'll have some movies to actually show but that's the next step right how do we how are we going to make movies now that this stuff is going on and there's an article in vulture put out last week that i thought was fascinating what will life on a movie set look like in 2020 and we're going to put a link in the show notes so that you can check this out because i'm not going to sit here and quote the whole article or read the whole article but we're you know we'll touch on a couple of things that it says but go read it because it's, uh, as Matt pointed out, it's really long. And uh, there's Real a lot long. of stuff in here, a lot of interesting information. It's a good read. Um, but yeah, it if really you're does... even remotely interested, it's it's worth the, the time. Yeah. But I, I thought one of the one of the fascinating things right off the bat is what will movie Craft sets services? look like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blow up dolls. <laughs> right. Well, and, we, and obviously Bold and the Beautiful has already got this idea. Obviously, visual effects is the next step, right? So that's what movies can do. And with all the deep fake technology now, like obviously they can, they literally, they could 
put a spouse in that kind of scene and then digitally replace their face with somebody that they want. There's lots of things that are, I mean, the stuff they're already doing in movies, but now it may be, they may have to do things this way in order to be safe. But the most interesting thing that I thought was these, these biodomes that they talked about, basically Mm -hmm. that they would, they would sequester the cast and crew for the, the six weeks that it takes to shoot. Like they would take over, a hotel and just everybody would stay there. I got to say, I did not particularly care for this article's bashing of Polly Shore's biodome because <laughs> I love that movie. So who, who I don't know. I don't have the name of the person who wrote it, but shame on you, sir, for disparaging oh, such a such a I wonderful thought they were film. just loving jabs. No, it's such a good movie. I don't, it's one of those movies that I watched over and over again, but whatever. Polly Shore. Um, we'll, we may have to do a whole rewind episode just about Polly Shore movies because <laughs> oh, all oh, five can of I be them. back because like, <laughs> because let's be serious. some like, of those were fun. Like oh, uh, Encino Man. Oh, is Encino great. Man is Encino a classic. Man is great. Son in law. Son in law is is phenomenal. I was not a huge fan of Biodome, but um, oh, but I, no, I mean oh, I'm not man. throwing jabs at it. Right, it was what it was. I mean, yeah, it, you're not right. writing about it, it on the internet you know saying it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> But but the idea that they're going to take these movie sets and self isolate for six you know and they'll have a six day work week and and uh, do like six and a half weeks of six day work cycles it says um, so rather than over two months they'll basically come in they'll have a schedule everybody will work their butts off for six days in this isolated environment then they'll take then they'll have a little time off everybody will make sure nobody's sick and and then they'll they'll go to the next location and do the same kind of thing and it's just this sequestering way of making movies one i wonder if that what kind of effect that would have on the budgets because one they'll be you know you're you're already paying for trailers and things like that maybe if they rent out for a biodome but if you rent out this hotel you know what i mean and just keep everybody in there right and then just do you know i mean who knows yeah i mean what was interesting to me was what Tyler Perry has in, what was it, Atlanta or Georgia down there somewhere? Did you see that part of the article where he's got like this old army base that he's just yeah. like fashioned into his movie studio? Where he's just kind like of got his own studio. And, and all these sound stages and everything. And I think I think that's great. What really bugged me, there was part of the article where, you know, I forget who said it. Let me see if I wrote down who said it. No, I didn't write down who said it. But it was essentially like, yeah, we can have everybody go to these hotels. But, you know, somebody's going to leave. You know, he was just what he said was you'd have to put guards outside the hotel because you can't control people who want to go out and have a beer at night. I mean, that's what people do. And it's just like, really, like you can't like Hollywood is notoriously hard to break into at any level from actors to writers to people like who want to, you know, tape a boom mic to the wall like it's hard to get into if you can't follow the rules for six weeks in order to be part of this quote unquote elite business like there's somebody who will follow those rules so if you have a guy who's supposed to be sequestered for the safety of the entire cast who leaves to go get a beer guess what you just walked off you're done like i i don't i don't understand why we're constantly making excuses for people who can't follow simple rules right no i totally agree because uh you know when it comes to just like the general population um obviously as we have seen there are people that are not going to follow the rules but when it comes to when you're an employee of a studio or an actor uh, a part of a production you know you've got to be held there's a higher standard that's expected Mm -hmm. Um, especially for these big movie productions, right? And so, yeah, I, I feel like 
I feel like everybody involved and everybody employed in these movie productions that are going to be sequestered uh, in this way are going to follow the rules because they know that's their livelihood. And this is this makes sense as to how it is. And they're not the typical general general public that's going to be like, well, it's my my right. I don't have to wear a mask, even though it's not necessarily yeah, I mean, in the best interest. You know, we see people going back and forth on whether or not they need to wear a mask going into the grocery store. And I'm not even going to get into that here. But like I work at a children's hospital, right? That's my job. I get paid by them to work at a children's hospital. It is now the rule that I put on a mask when I'm inside my car and I do not take it off until I'm back inside my car when I leave for the day. Like I'm required to wear a mask all day. If I don't do that, I would expect to be at the very least written up or punished in some way, like somehow like given a talking to like I imagine these people all have to sign contracts saying these are the news. This is the state of things. These are the new rules. Do you agree to adhere to these rules? Sign. If you don't, leave. You know what I mean? Because I, it's like one of those things where once you're on set, there's no possible way that you can expect these people to be six feet away from each other. There's, there's jobs like a focus puller that require you to be right on top of the cameraman. You know right. what I mean? Right. So like everybody needs to take their test. Everybody needs to stay where they are told to stay. And if they want this to succeed, if not, it's just going to, I don't know. I, I just see it just shutting down again. Personally, what a, what a what a what a huge job it is to be the what the COVID nineteen coordinator for these productions, right? Oh yeah, yeah like you were talking I mean, about budgets. Like they, I think they mentioned in the article how many people they have to add to the staff just to sanitize and right. advise and make yep. sure that everything is you know CDC compliant or whatever. So right, yeah, and, and never mind, you know, and I mentioned craft services. No more buffet. Everybody gets has to get their own little For individual shame. thing. <laughs> There's no craft. The craft services is going to be completely different. Um, <laughs> but it, I, you know, I I'm curious to see how far this goes. Like whenever a vaccine uh, ever happens, which will probably be uh, you know within a year or next year uh, does that change things will people start loosening up and go hey well at least we have this tool in our toolbox that helps prevent uh, COVID-19 will that kind of loosen things up but no I think I think movie productions are going to be fast and furious hats off to Vin Diesel for that um, Vin Diesel again <laughs> still make more of those Right. Because, you know, they are going to have to get a lot of work done super quick. It's going to, you know, be intense scheduling and they got to mm -hmm. get in, get the stuff done and get out. And maybe there will be more virtual stuff. You know, hey, they've got the volume, that whole virtual set uh, on The Mandalorian, which mm -hmm. um, makes things possibly a little bit easier where now it's all just everybody can just be at one place because they can recreate the different locations just in a big room with LED panels surrounding the set so i i don't know we'll see i also feel like there's doesn't it seem like there'd be a, a big enough backlog of movies that have been postponed past the summer that we'll have we'll have enough uh tent poles uh, every few weeks until next year anyway yeah, yeah assuming they were finished what some of them true. yeah some of them and but one of the things that the article did point out is a lot of the big stars are saying no i'm i'm not coming back yet i'm gonna wait a right. year yeah, and they don't if, want to be the guinea pigs. And then pigs. if you're one of those, yeah, exactly. And if you're working on one of those films that stars one of these, either they recast or they postpone. They wait until that star is ready to come back and work. And now you who are just, you know, a PA or a cameraman who's like, mm -hmm. I got to get to work. This is how I pay the bills. Right. You're waiting on the big stars to say yes, finally, and come back to work. But but you can't 
also can't blame. I'm not like throwing the stars under the no, bus no, because absolutely. they're also right, right, they're right. also making choices for their families and you know that and health and whatever and and it is what it is. But it's yeah, it's it's just it's a whole it's a whole new world, a whole new different experience. Everything is going to be changing. It's a different world. Making movies, um, going to conventions uh, virtually. Uh, we didn't even have time. We're running up on time here. We're going to have time to talk about the convention aspect. Maybe that we'll go deeper into that in another another episode. But as we've seen, virtual conf- or virtual conventions, virtual conferences is a thing. Uh, more and more of those are, are coming out. And so if those end up being as massively popular as I assume they will be because I can actually go to one now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be there now. So um, maybe, you know, at some point, maybe people will say, no, we liked it better when it was virtual. We don't have to go anywhere and be around better. other people. And it's, yeah, it definitely smells better. Well, um, I think it definitely gives an option for the people who don't have the ability to travel. Like yeah. it should always, I think we're going to see the virtual aspect. It kind of has to be a part of it. Like I can't afford to try to travel to San Diego every year and, pay for the hotel or everything but i might be able to cough up a hundred bucks to watch the panels from home right and i think you're gonna see a lot more and more of that it's time for the 90 second geek rant that's right this is the time on the show when we turn the microphone over to you the listener and hear what you have to say a recommendation a complaint a praise a rallying cry whatever you want to talk about this week is a recommendation from katie one of our listeners thank you for listening katie here's what she had to say Something that I've been geeking out over recently is the book, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. In it, she explores alien races, human AI relations, and cultures in post-Earth societies in an extremely refreshing way. I could go on and on about how unique and well-developed the alien races are, from the scaly reptilian andrisks and the complexity of their family structures, to the slug-like harmogians who, despite their physical weakness, use their highly advanced technology to wage war and decimate other species. The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet follows Rosemary Harper, a new human member of the multi-species crew aboard the Wayfarer a junky old tunneling ship. Aboard the ship, Rosemary struggles to find her place among her peers as she tries desperately to keep them from finding the truth about her past. I don't want to spoil anything, but all I can say is that I love this book and the two sequels, A Closed and Common Orbit and Records of a Spaceborn Few. I cannot recommend it enough. Please check it out. You know, it's funny, Katie, after you called this in, I mentioned it to my wife, uh, she's read the first one. She loved it as well. Even recommended it to me, which I then promptly forgot about because I don't remember it at all. But that's two recommendations now <laughs> from you, uh, Katie, and from my wife. So I am going to check it out. Thanks for the call. And if you listeners have something that you want to, people to check out or avoid like the plague or jump on the bandwagon of or utterly destroy with geek rage, go to www.speakpipe.com slash world gone geek and leave your message in 90 seconds or less. And you could be featured on a future episode of the podcast. Well, that's our show for the day. I want to thank Utah for being here. Thank you. Uh, Also, a big thanks to my good friend, Matt Shigarek. What's the prompt you guys are working on for your next podcast? 
Oh, you had to go and ask that. It is. Um, wait, wait, wait. I didn't give it. No, you didn't kidding. give this one. You didn't give this one. This one was a, a struggle, but I'm kind of excited about the story. I have in mind. This it's one's called, hilarious. Um, you should have never went to that party with Brenda. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was especially <laughs> odd because my mother-in-law's name is Brenda. So, now <laughs> so this, this story might have a, a personal touch. We'll find out. That's awesome. All right. And when does that episode drop? When are we going to hear that? That episode is going to drop July 6th. July 6th. First uh, Monday of every month. Awesome. Thanks again for being here. We appreciate you stopping by. We're looking forward to having you back. Hopefully you'll come back. Yeah, I'm, if I'm invited, I'll be back. All right. Thanks for having me. Great. Cool. Take care, everyone. Love one another wherever you can. Make the world better every day. We'll see you next time. The Podcast is Real is a Wild Gone Geek production. 